Hi, this is Tom Compton. You're listening to WHTT Speaks Out. Each week, Chuck Carlson and members of We Hold These Truths look into events that are, for the most part, ignored or overlooked by the mainstream media. And we analyze these events. Ready, set, let the sparks fly. In today's podcast for WHTT Speaks Out, we're going to talk about an upcoming vigil here in Phoenix, Arizona at a Kufi event. It's kind of interesting because this church has the Arizona coordinator for Christians United for Israel. And we'll talk about that and also some changing ideas and things we are hearing now from people of prominence that we're not saying the same things that we've been saying for 10 years about people like John Hagee and Christian Zionism and these kinds of issues here. So I'm going to have, as we like to do, we always want to send out a letter to the pastor of the churches. We send out to as many people on the staff that we can find and also to churches in the area to kind of let them know that we're coming. And this is a standing with Israel event. So why don't you read the letter to the pastor, please, Leslie. To Pastor Eddie Paul Morris, Deer Valley Worship Center, Project Straight Gate will conduct a vigil at your church on July 8, 2013, during the hours that you host the John Hagee and Kufi Standing with Israel event. We have conducted vigils for peace with justice at many major Christian Zionist-leaning churches nationwide and at over a dozen Kufi events, including its national conference in Washington and the Night to Honor Israel at Phoenix Symphony Hall on October 18, 2009. Perhaps you do not know that John Hagee has publicly prayed for war in the name of Jesus and has called for a preemptive strike against Iran to protect Israel. These unchristlike acts clearly contradict what our Lord Jesus Christ taught us to do. Love your brother as you love yourself. Love even your enemy. And blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. We noticed on your church website that on the Our Beliefs page very clearly describes the path to salvation through Jesus Christ. It does not contain a statement like, quote, a belief that the modern state of Israel is a fulfillment of biblical prophecy is a requirement for salvation, unquote. Kufi is listed as one of your ministries on your church website. It says, quote, Pastor Eddie Paul is the Christian United for Israel Arizona State Director and is looking forward to the great opportunities that are ahead to support our Jewish friends, unquote. What about our Palestinian brothers and sisters in Christ and Palestinian Muslims who have been mistreated by Israel for over 65 years of occupation? Do they not deserve our support and compassion too? I noticed that you and your wife visited Israel in November 2010 with John Hagee on a Christians United for Israel pastor leadership tour. Did Pastor Hagee have you meet with any Palestinian Christians in Palestine to hear their side of the story 
If not, look at what Palestinian pastor Alex Awad of the East Jerusalem Baptist Church, also a professor at Evangelical Bethlehem Bible College, has to say in his article, Palestinian Christians in the Shadow of Christian Zionism. We will be at Deer Valley Worship Center on Monday, July 8, 2013. We will be located on public right-of-ways near your church, ready to answer questions from all who wonder about our message. We will be respectful of your rights and the local laws. Toward the straight gate, Tom Compton, WHDT. All right, thank you. And as a result, you know, normally we send out these these notices to our emailing list, and we've had a couple responses already just overnight. And one was from gentleman Christopher Greenwood in Michigan, and he says, are you ever going to have a, a rally in Michigan? Well, maybe someday we will. And we need people that are willing to do these, and we're developing all the tools that you you need to have the signs and necessary things to conduct a vigil. And, of course, Chuck has been always willing to write the letter. As we just read, it's very important to let them know that we're coming. And I got another interesting letter here from a gentleman from San Luis Obispo, Mike Stoudenmeyer. And he says, Dear Tom, Chuck, and all, I am so glad there is a vigilant effort and a visible stand against Christian Zionism, and I am glad you're on my side. I just have a suggestion that I don't mean to be taken as criticism, but perhaps constructive criticism. I think the message should be more simple and direct, avoiding potential arguments. With a simple message directing the reader to the Word of God, they will have to decide if they are with the word or against it. It is easy when you've got so much material to bury the person in it, leaving them defensive and answering in sound bites. I think the simple approach would reach more of the lost sheep. Besides, the others will not follow no matter what you do. We must be diligent to remember that it is not about us, but it is about him, meaning Jesus Christ. You do an outstanding job with great courage and sacrifice. Many of us who have not been to the vigils are working hard as well, remembering those in bonds and giving cool water to the thirsty. Uh, Feed his lambs, he said to us. Feed them and don't give consideration to those who would only and always be uh, contentious. Be ye therefore separate, God suggests. You don't go wrong when you're clearly in God's camp, and the Zionist fight is with God, Mike Stoudenmeyer. And we would agree with you, Mike, and I would guess the reason I made this fairly strong to this gentleman, this pastor, Eddie Paul Morris, is because of the fact that of his close association with Kufi. Now, we have found over the years that, yes, we do need to keep the message simple, and that's why we've come out with expressions like, who would Jesus bomb? Blessed are the peacemakers, and choose life, not war. And as we've talked about many times, that last one, choose life, not war, is very powerful because it short-circuits a lot of these Christian Zionists who have no problem with accepting wars 
particularly in the Middle East, to protect Israel while claiming that they are for life against abortion. So they don't seem to be concerned about the deaths of innocent children in places like Gaza and Palestine and Iraq and Afghanistan and and these places where we're now droning and and Pakistan and and, uh, Yemen and and Somalia, we're we're just growing in what we're doing uh, against people around the world. So, yes, first of all, it would be good that we had more people doing these vigils, and you can understand, and yes, we want to keep the message very simple, and what would Jesus do focusing on Jesus? But here we're challenging the leader, and so it's upon him. We find that to convert people, you have to keep the message simple. So I, I agree there. Chuck, why don't you introduce us to the the next portion of our program? I would further comment to Mr. Steinbrenner that if you haven't been to a vigil, it's hard to understand that uh, the message that we send out to people as an invitation is far different from the one that we portray with uh, with four words on us on a signpost from 200 yards away from a door of a big church with thousands of people streaming in. And uh, so there are techniques that go with us, and we've learned those techniques in the field, and we know exactly what to say to the people who come out and exactly what not to say. Uh, we also have learned that this message that we send out, with, which, which one Tom is uh, Leslie has read to us here, this letter to the pastor, is not intended to the pastor so much as it is to uh, hundreds of, uh, of other people, even thousands, maybe tens of thousands of other people who get this message and who then get an idea of why we are doing what we're doing with Christian Zionism. So that message doesn't just go to the pastor. We, we know full well the pastor may read the first line and trash it, and probably will in most cases. Now, in Sacramento, we had good results, as we talked about, in, I think, in the previous edition. And what we're learning is that uh, people are changing, and the change is going on pretty quickly, pretty fast. There in Sacramento, of course, our Internet effort, sending out a message exactly like the one Tom just read. Uh, and then after that, a little reminder, are you coming uh, to our vigil? Here, I'm giving you a name and place again. We ended up with four or five organizations that sent people to join us. And um, these are peace organizations that have memberships. And we found out that these organizations had circulated that letter around their organizations. So uh, we, we also had one mainline pastor. He happened to be a Methodist pastor. He came and joined us. His church is very much opposed to Christian Zionism. That would not have happened five years ago or three years ago or certainly ten years ago when we started doing this. So the message to the broad Internet is one that explains a good part about what Christian Zionism is all about and then why we are going to this church. And it may go right over the head of all the pastors in the church, but uh, the more people that get it, the better the chances of uh, us having a good appearance there. The change that's going on is very fast. Uh, We are seeing many mainline churches now recognizing and talking about Christian Zionism who would have shuddered to even say the words five years ago and would have thought they would lose their membership if they even discussed the question. So that's happening. The attendance is down at John Hagee meetings, at least the ones we've seen recently. And this one in Sacramento was, I thought, a bust. We, uh, we waste basically 
we did not number the, the, the guests that came to the concert by any means, but we certainly think the church membership outnumbered the attendance by several fold. And we're seeing Hagee and the Christian Zionists in sort of a frenzy, holding meetings at smaller and smaller churches, rushing around, saying more outrageous things even than, than they have in the past. And uh, we're seeing changes among individuals. So this is the important thing, and we want to talk about one of those individuals tonight because it's been called to our attention. It's Chuck Baldwin who ran for president. And uh, Chuck Baldwin is someone who not too long ago got our DVD from us, and we know he got it because we discussed it with him. And uh, we know that Chuck Baldwin has been reading our literature for a long time, and he is a Southern Baptist, and the Southern Baptists are the center core, of course, of organized Christian Zionism. Uh, Chuck Baldwin ran for president. He's a prominent guy. He has a lot of conservative instincts, anti-abortion, anti-this and anti-that, anti-war. He's quite strongly against war. But uh, Chuck Baldwin has never spoken out against Christian Zionism or against even Israeli Zionism before. He's kept strictly away from that, and now suddenly we find that he sounds kind of like us. And uh, we like that. So maybe we'll uh, listen to a few words from Chuck Baldwin and then have a little further discussion of that. Okay, Leslie, why don't you read the, the, the portion there from Chuck's article, please. What does John Hagee really want? Published Thursday, June 27, 2013, by Chuck Baldwin. John Hagee and many other evangelical preachers constantly beat the war drums. Without ceasing, they encourage America's political leaders to wage non-stop wars of aggression, especially in the Middle East. They constantly trumpet America's unconstitutional interventions in the Middle East with terms not unlike those used by militant Muslims. Hagee's pro-war fanaticism is so extreme, one must wonder how much he is being paid by the Israeli lobby. My guess is it's a bunch. Much of this Christian war fever is due to a convoluted interpretation of scripture, especially prophetic scripture. While I will leave most of this discussion for another day, let me simply say that whatever God plans to do in regard to the reestablishment of the Davidic kingdom, it has precious little to do with the atheistic apostate government currently headquartered in Tel Aviv. And Hagee himself teaches apostasy when he declares that Jewish people today have a special covenant with God and do not need to come to faith in Jesus Christ in order to be saved and when he says that Jesus never even claimed to be Christ, Messiah. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. John 14:6. Now either Jesus or John Hagee told the truth. I'll take the word of Jesus. Plus, Mr. Hagee apparently forgot Simon Peter's confession, which Jesus said was due to a revelation from God the Father. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Matthew 16, 16. So, what is it that Hagee and the rest really want? Perpetual war? Total genocide? A global new world order with the likes of G.W. Bush or Barack Obama at the helm? 
what do they really want? Do they really have such an inflated view of themselves that they truly believe that they are going to manipulate what God does or doesn't do regarding the fulfillment of end times events? Is God their servant? Is God Israel's servant? Is God America's servant? Balderdash, God is no man or country's servant. I wonder what these warmonger preachers think about all the blowback from these illegal and immoral wars of aggression that G.W. Bush and now Barack Obama has led us into. Not only are these wars provoking people all over the world against us, and doing more to recruit volunteers for militant extremists in the Middle East than anything Al-Qaeda could do on their own. They are having catastrophic results on missionary work. Now think this through. These warmongering evangelicals beat the war drums. They encourage the young men from their churches to go off and fight these holy wars. They work tirelessly to elect pro-war politicians and they twist Old Testament scripture to fit these modern crusades. Then the politicians, whom the warmongers help to elect, send the U.S. military to invade, bomb, and kill hundreds of thousands of people, the vast majority of whom are innocent people, after which these same warmonger preachers get up in their pulpits and cry and weep how we need to send missionaries to preach the gospel to the same people they just got done trying to annihilate. Exactly who is it that the missionaries are supposed to reach? The ones lucky enough to escape death and destruction from U.S. bombers and drone attacks, I guess? And exactly what is the message our missionaries are supposed to deliver? I'm from America and I'm here to tell you about the love of God. Oh, that is going to play really well with the loved ones of those family members we just destroyed. I've had so many missionaries tell me how difficult it is for them to try to minister to people around the world today. And the chief reason is the bully reputation that America has built over the past several decades. Furthermore, do these warmongering evangelicals really want to deal with the fact that we now have over... 23 veterans and active duty military personnel committing suicide every day. That equates to more fighting men dying from self-inflicted wounds than from wounds received in the wars they are asked to fight. This is a first in U.S. history. Is John Hagee interested in why so many of our fighting men are killing themselves? Mr. Hagee and the rest of you warmongering evangelicals out there, is this soldier's suicide and the suicides of over 23 active duty military and veterans every day what you had in mind when you beat the drums for America's undeclared unconstitutional wars of aggression? This young soldier saw the reality of these wars up close and personal and he didn't like what he saw. And don't try to brush this off by saying it's always been this way. No, it hasn't. We didn't have suicides like this during World War I or World War II. Whatever the politics back then was or wasn't, those were lawfully declared wars in which our men knew what they were fighting for. They went in, they fought, they came home. All right, thank you. Now, as a result of that article, it was passed on to us, uh, there's been blogs and different things going on, but here's one of interest from a 
It's called Vanguard News Network, and Gene West made this comment. Hagee has been exposed for years, even by Baldwin himself, referring to Chuck Baldwin, back at least as far as 2008. The person who has done the most exposing of Hagee has been Charles Carlson of We Hold These Truths, who has conducted vigils in front of Christian Zionist churches, churches that have hosted Hagee appearances and also at various Hagee events. And she includes here in, in her notes, this is really makes it evident the change in thinking that Chuck just talked about in an article that Chuck Baldwin wrote on April the 9th, 2002, entitled Bush to Sharon, Do As I Say, Not As I Do, Baldwin writes this, quote, President Bush is pursuing a dangerous course. First, he is turning his back on history, both biblical and secular, by trying to create an independent state for the Palestinians. The Palestinians have no historical claim to the promised land. God clearly gave that land to the children of Israel. Furthermore, the only independent nation to ever exist on that land is the nation of Israel. There has never been an independent Palestinian country. And for Bush to pretend that they have some kind of right to the land is denial of history and an act of defiance against the revealed will of God, unquote. Now, that could have been a quote made by John Hagee. And he, he says very similar things, correct, Chuck? That, that, yes, and that's really amazing. And I think what this points out to us, should point out to us, number one is none of us are perfect and this change takes place. We don't see everything that is being changed in our mind at one time. We, we change a little at a time. We wake up slowly, a step at a time. And, and uh, what, an, uh, what an amazing turnaround for Chuck Baldwin to have said what he said th- those years ago and then come back and now make this very powerful statement. And, and I, I think the thing that impresses me so much in his statement that I haven't heard from a lot of other people is his talk about the mission field and how the mission field is being destroyed for the missionaries by the whole idea of Christian Zionism. I experienced this myself in Gaza, where the Baptist church that Chuck Baldwin was associated with, the Southern Baptist church, and I've talked about this so many times I hate to repeat it, but it's important, they had a Baptist church right there in Gaza, and they purposely withdrew their missionaries because they told the missionaries it was too dangerous to stay. The missionary said, no way, we want to stay, we're doing some good here. They forced them out, they took their money away from them because they were embarrassed at how well their missionaries were getting along with the Arab people locked up inside of Gaza. So the churches have actually destroyed their own mission field by this, and Baldwin, a Southern Baptist, is, is acknowledging and accepting this. So I think it's a wonderful change, and I'm thrilled and excited to see this. And I'm glad that uh, this lady who likes us pointed out that Chuck Baldwin has made this amazing turnaround, and that should be an encouragement to every one of us to try to try to change people. And the fact that the, uh, the great turning that we talk about first in 2004 and then in 2008, which we actually foresaw coming, that is happening right now in the hearts of people. A few like Chuck Baldwin who are coming out of the dispensational movement but a lot more in the mainline churches where it has to start because they're not hung up with these old issues. You notice that in Mr. Baldwin's uh, talk, 
he still talks about the Davidic kingdom as though perhaps God is going to set up a millennial kingdom on earth yet. But now what he's basically saying is that really doesn't matter. We need to act like Christians here and now. So he still does believe that that is there. He hasn't left that idea behind, and he doesn't have to, so long as he comes out with the right example and conclusions. And, of course, he'll get a lot of criticism from the people who are on the dispensational side, but uh, he'll get a lot more uh, credit from people who's going to think he makes a lot of sense. I've been one of those dispensationalists that turned around for <laughs> and and saw the light myself. So there was a turning in my life. So yes, it's so important that we're we're doing this and well, that, that people will wake up. Right. And getting back to this letter from the the fellow in California, you know, keep it simple. We have to, it is about him, Jesus Christ. So when we focus on that and try to keep people focused on that, what would Jesus do when I am interfacing with other people? How, what would Jesus do? And so how should I reflect it? And, of course, we all come short of that, and that's what forgiveness is about and all these things, but we need to strive for this because we're all guilty of Great. Well, thank you very much for that input, and that concludes our program for today, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for listening. Be sure to tell a friend about our podcast, and please visit our website, whtt.org. You will find a wealth of information and resources like the latest Pharisee Watch and unheralded news articles. Also, you can order our new video, Christian Zionism, The Tragedy and the Turning, Part 1. Even though this video is copyrighted, we don't mind if you copy it as long as you copy all of it. Then you can educate your friends and acquaintances about the dangers of Christian Zionism. Start small, think big, and press on toward the straight gate.